Hello, welcome to another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Doing great. Good. Going to record another glorious day at Premier Ag. Yeah. Every day's a holiday. Every meal's a feast at Premier Ag. That's our, That's your new, that's your new like kicker. It. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. Maybe we'll get some comments on it. We do need some people to like and subscribe, <laughs> and then also put some comments in there. Maybe they'll put some comments. Yeah. Yeah, With us go. in the podcast room today is our one of our favorites, one of our fan favorites is Aaron Bledsoe over the grain division. But before we get into grain, mm-hmm. you know what comes first? The question of the day. <laughs> the root canal of the podcast. Yes. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so today's question of the day is, and this may go south in a hurry, but <laughs> your worst hotel experience. Did I say that right, Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, I could go with the stereotypical, I stayed at one hotel that you didn't take your clothes out of the bag and you pulled the comforter down and you put your bag on the sheets because you figured they at least washed the sheets. You never took your shoes off, even in the shower. I could go with that. But probably the most awkward and worst experience I ever had was my dad, myself, and uh, he's my brother-in-law now. Our very first trip out to Nebraska to see another one of our buddies out there to go turkey hunting. And... You know, it's easily a single drive, but my dad worked that day. We didn't leave until like six, seven o'clock at night, and it was like a 10-hour drive. So we pull over because he was tired of being, <clears throat> being cramped up in the back of the Impala. So we pull into this hotel. Mind you, this hotel, clean, sheets were fine. The awkward part is, is you know, it's really not that awkward. Him and I were college age. My dad gets his bed by himself. You know, we got two queen beds. Evidently, my brother-in-law, who... He's a little bigger than me. I mean, I'm not the tallest guy in the room. He, he's 6'2", or was at the time. Any room? <laughs> Sorry. I am with my wife, thank you. <laughs> Love you. Ten years. Going strong, baby. <laughs> uh, no, but he's kind of a cuddler, and I'm kind of a deep sleeper. Oh, no. So when I went to sleep, oh, no. and my dad's a jogger, so he wakes up in the morning, like, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, even though we, you know, whatever, he said he was tired. He wakes up, and... Uh, he sees my brother-in-law, who's got his arm just kind of no. nestled over the top of me. And he doesn't say anything. And by the time I wake up, I wake up, and I'm like, you know, kind of coming through. And next thing you know, I see this, like, hand on my shoulder. I'm like, what the? Get off of me. To finish the whole worst part of it out is that the breakfast sucked. Uh. So we go down there. I'm like, oh, yeah, biscuits and gravy. At least this will be good. No, grab it. The gravy is like water, and we attempted to eat it. We took two bites, and neither of us made it five minutes down the road before we had to go back to a different bathroom. I mean, it was it's bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> okay. yeah. Coffee went right through you then, huh? Yeah. I didn't drink coffee okay. at the time. Oh, man. But I don't have that problem, Sal. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got spooned by your brother-in-law and breakfast wasn't good. So. No. Wonderful. It was, yeah, it was a horrible, Wonderful. horrible day. Mine's looking pretty good then. Go ahead, Sal. I didn't even oh, get a turkey you're on next. that hunt. Oh, I'm next. You didn't even get the turkey hunt? No, I didn't. No, I got the turkey hunt, but I didn't even get a turkey hunt. Oh, you didn't get it. Oh, okay. okay. I can go if you want to go last. No, I'll I go. All right. So, uh, when the kids were pretty small, we went to uh, we took them on a trip, and I won't say where, but... We took them on a trip, and it was a fun trip. But we get in our hotel room the first night and uh, go to our room, and everybody's worn out, so we yank the sheets back. And if you've ever watched one of those movies where somebody falls and hits the ground, then they rewind it, and they jump back up, this happened because when I laid down in that bed, 
sheets were wet. Oh, <laughs> and, no, and nothing will nothing will cause you to get right back up out of bed like the sheets being wet. Ugh. So we get a we get a different room. Long story short, we get a different room. Still not sure exactly what that substance was, but it's been years ago now. So I no ill effects from it, but. So the next room we get is on, like, I believe it's the sixth floor. I think I'm telling this story right. So the sixth floor, we didn't have any air conditioning. And it's it's middle of summer. It's hot. So we tell them. We get up the next morning. We're like, man, it, it at least the beds weren't wet. So, But, hey, our air is not working. We're on the sixth floor. They got the window air conditioner. Or the, the air conditioner's under the windows, you know. So we go do our thing, spend the day at the zoo and whatever else we were doing. And we come back, and they had removed that unit. There's nothing there. It's a it's a hole in the wall. It's like gone. a sixty foot drop to the parking lot. We've got two kids. They took it. We, yeah, and our youngest Travis. I mean, he was at a size where if he'd have ran fast enough, he could have went right through that. If he'd have just dove down and slid, he could have went right. They didn't even put anything. No yellow tape. No anything. It's a sixty foot drop outside, and this is a reputable named hotel. So we had wet beds, and then they took our air conditioning out. It just left the hole, I guess, to compensate for not having an air conditioning, or the fact that you had two toddlers who could have just oh evacuated God. the side of the building. So, yeah, so that would have to be our worst. I would, I don't, I hope it doesn't get worse. <laughs> I hope that one <laughs> remains our worst. So, what you got, Sal? Well, those are bad. Those are both bad. Um, mine was uh, we were with a group, as a, a group of our buddies, and and we were fishing down in the Keys down in Marathon, Florida, and was going to fly out of New Orleans, the, uh, no, Miami, the next morning. So we um, we drove back, and it was late by the time we got back to Miami and and uh, made hotels, and it was a chain. It was a reputable chain. Uh, and we go in the lobby, and we're getting checked in, and it's really nice. I mean, just recently remodeled. And we're like, hey, that's pretty good, you know, for $140 or whatever we was going to pay, and two people per room. And the uh, lobby just sparkled. Everything's brand new. So we get off the elevator, exactly opposite. <laughs> I mean, the carpet was old. I mean, everything, the wallpaper is off the walls. We kind of walk down through there, totally different. And I'm, we open up the room, and everybody's kind of going in their own rooms. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, the there was hair all over the bath. I mean, Ooh. you don't even know. No, well, no. it turns out they were getting ready to. They had they had just getting ready to condemn it, and this was the last week that they were open. They'd done partial remodel. Then they're getting ready to to tear the store the hotel down, and and so um, nobody. So you got that part. Nobody cared. I mean, it hadn't been cleaned in weeks, and. Hmm. Uh, so oh. I know the guy I was with, he, he goes, I'm out there, I'm throwing a fit, I'm talking to the front desk, it's one o'clock in the morning, we can't go anywhere, there's no place else, and uh, he comes out of the bathroom, I get off the phone, he goes, I just want you to know that none of that hair in the bathroom is mine. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible, so mm. I uh, went down, checked on one of the other guys, and I said, gosh, is your room as bad as mine? He goes, oh, I didn't think that bad, I was in Mexico one time, and I had it was, it was worse than this. I'm like, well, that doesn't count. Right, that wouldn't count. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my bad experience. But mm -mm. Not good. That's not good. Mm -mm. So. Okay. All right, Aaron. Guess what? What? You got to talk about <laughs> grain. <laughs> We're in November, uh -huh. and harvest is somewhat behind us. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. So, 
I just thought I'd cue that up. I thought it was fun. I, I thought it'd been uneventful. You hadn't been that busy here lately. So uh, nope. tell us a little bit nope. about the grain markets and what's uh, uh, what's going on in your world. Yeah, so we're still in harvest, definitely at the tail end though, and the tail end is always the hardest to navigate because if there is going to be a log jam in the pipeline, the tail end of it is when it happens. It usually doesn't happen at the beginning because everybody's typically got space. Um, so we're, we're, we're fighting that battle right now. Um, a lot of places are going contract only. We are currently on the West side of our territory. Um, and it's, it's just been a struggle. You Meaning know? that if you didn't have it contracted with you, mm-hmm. you don't have a spot for it. You don't have, I, okay. I, cause I have to honor those contracts first. You know, I have to keep a certain amount of space available for them to deliver, to stay fluid and, and keep moving stuff. Um, so it does, it does nobody any good to completely jam a facility because then you lose all operating space at all i mean you're just you're done until you can move a a certain amount of bushels and then you can finally start flowing again um so that's where we're at harvest right now um the river still low um but stuff's moving at least i mean it's not like last year where the river just dried up and you know, of course, we had the hurricane, and so we lost barges. Force majeure letters were coming out before um, because they just didn't think they'd get the barges, and then the river dried up. This year, they were dredging way earlier in the season, and they kept trying. They, it's like they almost had a plan of action as hmm. to what will happen if it keeps staying dry. And so for the most part, they've moved. Um, it's still not been like normal, but they they have been moving. The river's just... It's just rough. So what our listeners, most uh, I think most people know with our geography that we're talking about the Ohio River. When, yep. we, when we say the river, mm-hmm. uh, we're usually talking about the Ohio River. Yep. And um, so they started dredging earlier yes. this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we've had some of uh, Jeff Jarrett and Scott Sharp in here before, and they've talked about the challenges last year with going down to basically a single-lane road mm-hmm. on the river and one-way traffic, and that really plugged things up. Yep. We think it's all grain and fertilizer, but there's a lot of other commodities. Yeah. Fuel, uh, salt, uh, just gravel, coal, lots of other things on the river besides us. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you just put a chink in one piece of the armor, another piece has to pick up the slack. So then it becomes a bidding war as to what are you oh, going to move and when are you going to move it? And and that's kind of where we're at in the tail end of harvest is that you know, you've got fields that need fertilizer thrown out there. But it's hard to get fertilized because it's not moving in the normal routes. So when you do get it, but you're also full on grain, what do you move first? I mean, that's where a lot of places are having to have that conversation. You're not moving grain maybe as quickly as you normally would because you're moving grain and trying to grab fertilizer at the same time. Or vice versa, you're, you're trying to get all the fertilizer that you can because there's not much of it right then at the moment to get. It's all coming. I mean, you have it bought on paper, but it's not here. Mm. So... It's been a uh, it's it's been a tightrope for this geographical area to to kind of navigate. I mean, we still have rail, uh, fortunately, and so rail has been a market for grain and fertilize. It's just that that's not always the typical flow uh, for some of our trade area. So, yeah, good. So, um, how uh, how have yields affected you this year? Oh my gosh! Um, for a year that it's been dry, yeah. Yeah, for a year that's been dry, everyone has been completely blown away by the corn yield. Um, I'll hear more about the corn yield than I will the bean yield. Uh, everyone's just said beans are beans are good, and I think I think mentally it's 
it's easier to brag about corn or be surprised by corn because you're talking about, you know, uh, you're talking about yield bumps of 30 or 40 bushels more than what you thought. Beans, you're like, well, yeah, I got an extra five bushels of what my average is or something, you know. So mentally and psychologically, you like talking about corn, you because know, it's a higher number. Um, everybody likes bigger numbers. Um, and so I've heard a lot more about corn this year. Corn has been phenomenal. Quality has been good. Um, the one caveat is that man, guys are struggling with it drying down in the field. Um, on the western side, we're over in my, around the Lagodi uh, facility, bushels dried down pretty well. Um, quality was good. Stuff got out of the ground. I mean, stuff got out of the field in a pretty reasonable timeline. Um, now, towards the eastern side of the stuff that I pull towards the Lagodi or our Brownstown Mill area and our Columbus location, we're seeing higher moistures, and it's just it's just not drying down. And at some point in the year, it's just not going to. Mm. I mean, you just lose those 70, 80-degree days with 20-mile-an-hour winds. I say that, and just the other day we had it. Yeah. But the drying days are just shorter. So at some point, that corn's just going to be what it is. I mean, it's just not going to do much. Yeah, Ryan brought up the yield, and that's – Something that's just been shocking this year mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, two, 220 bushels is really good, and we are getting field averages of 240s, 250s, mm-hmm. and more. And um, I'll tell you, when you start tacking that much more grain into the, into the system or the pipeline, as you call it, I mean, it's just won't, it won't fit. Yep. Yep. And the yield, you know, the last time I was on here, everybody was talking about how, oh, the corn yield needs to be dropped. But then you talk to people out there, and it's like, man, we're talking really good corn. So the question was always, does the eastern corn belt make up for the western side that's maybe not as good as normal as we are? Um, Because we're having a phenomenal corn yield year. They're not having as great. And that leads to the WASDE today that came out, I mean, just a couple minutes ago from us. And last month they were saying they need to drop it. Well, then this month, most of the trade estimators and experts out there thought they're going to bump it, and they did. But they bumped it even more than what they thought. Oh, wow. So in October, they lowered it down to 173. Now they bumped it all the way back up to 174.9. That's a 1.9 bushel increase to a nationwide yield on corn. Um, And if you think that will not have an effect on price, you will be wrong. (laughs) I mean, you can't do that unless you have demand just astronomically increase. And this report basically said your yield increase, there was some increase in usage, but not enough to offset that production. So we're talking about ending stocks going from roughly a 2.1 is what they were saying in October up to 2.15. So we saw roughly about a 45 million bushel increase into an ending stock. Um, for the projected twenty three twenty four crop of what we're what we're con- what we're harvesting right this second, so it's not good. I mean, you know, right now um, I've got the futures pulled up. It could be a lot worse. Corn's down five for the D's, so it's it's, it's not horrible. It's holding on, um, but that that doesn't exactly paint a good picture for us. If you if you just look at the fundamentals. There's a lot of other things going on in this world, and everybody has their opinion on what's on what's going on and what that will do to the market, and no one has a crystal ball. No one knows how this is going to play out. But fundamentally, if you just look at the, the basics of it, this is not fundamentally sound to make corn go back up to, you know, five, six dollars. Something's got to happen. Yeah, some, something has to change. Now, beans, like I said, you know, bean yields – 
were good. You didn't hear as many people talk about them, um, like I said, with, with the corn, but people were surprised by the beans. Um, double crops were not – double crops seemed very um, controversial. It was like – I don't know if controversial is the right word, or bipolar, but it was like some double crops were good, some not good at all. I mean, way below average, but other ones were – pleasantly surprised by what they got out of it i'll tell you some of what drove that was the was the higher than normal at least in our geography of of the wheat yields were so much higher oh my gosh yeah i mean our our wheat test plot here in um in south central indiana Cortland, uh, was 140 bushel was the wheat plot average which is for those that aren't familiar 100 bushels of wheat is really good in this neck of the woods and to average 140 across the plot and, uh, and we heard that experience, I mean, farmers consistently. And it took, them, it took them longer, so I told that story to tell this one, is it took them longer to get the wheat crop out, deal with the straw. That delayed their planting of the double crop coming in, planting soybeans behind wheat. And then that hit the dry weather. Mm-hmm. And the huge wheat crop also pushed the pipeline further along than what it normally sees. We don't we, we don't typically see those types of wheat yields. And we've seen more wheat grown in this area than mm, we have in the last couple of years. Agreed. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So, you know, and, and that goes back to high prices fix high prices, low prices fix low prices. Wheat price went through the roof. I mean, it started acting like it wants acres. It got the acres, and we had phenomenal yields. And then people, you know, in a in in a time when corn was a little shorter than what we're typically used to, so a lot of these end users started to change their rations to incorporate more wheat. They bought more wheat than they ever thought they were going to, which meant they had to eat through their inventory to get into the corn of what they're normally going, and corn fixed its problem. Hmm. It planted the acres, it's got the yield, now we have the production, and we saw prices cool down. So... What did that do to demand? Um, so the demand, I, uh, I'll go back up to corn. Um, the demand increased, but it didn't offset the increase in production. Uh, overall production went up. Oh, boy, you're making me do math. Uh, oh, boy. What is that? 170 million bushels. Uh, use increased uh, 125. Okay. So, like I said, basically ending stocks went up 45 million bushels. So, um, but it was nice to see the uh, demand increase, especially on the uh, feed and residual. Um, and I know there's a line in there for livestock usage or livestock feed usage. So, that, w- that was a good thing to see because with livestock inventories, people seem to talk about livestock inventories being lower. Uh, trying to reboot after that overproduction because right. of COVID. And now it's kind of on the backside of it. Now we're trying to really build it back up to meet the packer demand and all that. Um, so that that was that was a good sign to see. That would be a highlight okay. or, or a bright spot for corn. Good. Uh, beans on the yield. Um, let me get to them real quick. They bumped it up just 0.3 of a bushel. Mm. So they didn't they didn't do much there. Um, they have not messed with the acres on either of them. There was some thoughts that they might move that um, a couple of reports ago. At some point, they might alter that. They they haven't done that. So um, production, you know, with that point three um, was up a little bit, not a whole lot. It's looking like twenty five million bushels, um, and that was a direct thing with the ending stocks. Production, okay. pr- production went up. Ending stocks went up. They did. They did not mess. Um, no demand change there. Not really. No. 
Um, imports looks like imports went up some. Um, so, but demand really kind of stayed about the same. So I guess the message is that it could have been worse, right? I it mean, could, it could be, uh, it could have been way worse. So down, down, mm-hmm. down in five cents. Yeah, and whenever. Yeah, you know, down five for corn, down fourteen for beans. Um, and everybody asked me that, like, well, what are the what do the reports say? Well, the report said this. This is what the market's doing. But like, let's give it a couple of days to shift itself out. You know, usually you have knee jerk reactions, and sometimes these reports will be overly bearish, and you'll see nothing but red on the board. Well, in that case, sometimes sometimes the traders are just taking some profit off the board, and then you give it 24, 48 hours, and they're buying right back into it, and you've you've overcome what they lost on that first initial 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour of the report coming out. So knee jerks are always something to kind of steer away from. You know, it's hard. It's emotional. It, it's hard to see red on the board. But in hindsight, you know, from the last time I was on here, you know, corn's uh, $0.51 cent loss. You know, from the last time I was on here to today, um, actually with, well, 51 plus 5, $0.56 cent loss. But that's been because we're on the tail end of harvest. And, you know, so futures have taken some losses, but basis has fallen through the floor just because nobody can handle it right this second. Um, beans, on the other hand, you know, we're seeing a dollar over a dollar increase. So we've rolled from the November futures to the January futures. There was a bump there. Bean harvest has kind of got in the rearview mirror for the most part, or it's now it's down to a manageable level where it's not really affecting anybody. Um, it's just flowing through. Crush has been phenomenal. Usage has been good. We've got lower um, acreage than we're used to on beans, um, and we and we were tight beans to begin with. So beans look, beans still look good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know they're having a down day today, but on the week, still having a great week. So all right, good. How about uh, South American weather, Ukraine? Yeah, that stuff. What's going on in the world? South America weather right now, that's what was kind of driving up beans earlier this week. Um, And to put a time stamp on it, you know, it's um, we're two days away from Veterans Day. So thank you to all the veterans out there. But that a time stamp wise, that's where we're at. Um, Monday and Tuesday, that's what we've been trading is that South America potentially has some weather hiccups coming on Um, a little drier. So, of course, anytime there's that, uh, when you start talking about the elephant in the room of South America production of beans that will dictate what our futures do. Um, and we had some beneficial things going on too. China stepped in and bought, bought some beans from us. Um, and that used to be the norm and, and, and it still is. They just, when Brazil starts to become the number one exporter in the world, you, you start to play second fiddle. Yeah. But we're in a time frame of where our beans should be flowing and they haven't been, and they're starting to now. So that, that is a good sign to see. Good. Okay. That's good. That's all I got, Ryan. Okay. Nothing from Ukraine. Nothing from Israel. None of that. Anything uh, going on with that? I, you know, I. There's a lot there to unpack as far as grain goes. It's just been the same for the last three years. We're just talking black swan events that we. Yep. You just don't know how to navigate. I yep. mean, that would be a bright spot. For, it's horrible to say as a bright spot, but. If you're wanting corn to see an increase or to rally, oil price increasing is going to help it out because it's going to make ethanol a little bit more favorable in that in that atmosphere. Um, so, with what's going on in the Middle East, that could be something to watch. Um, but it just war's not good for anything, really. I mean, you know, you 
you you want to stay away from it when when you can. Um, but it, it is going to affect if it draws into more players into the arena than what is in it right now, or the players in the arena start doing a little bit more pushing than what they're doing. It it, it will change stuff, but how and when? Don't know. I mean, you don't know. You're just you're speculating at that point. All right. Good. Well, Aaron, thank you for your insight again. And do you have anything else, Ryan? I don't. I don't think unless you got any last second for your local growers. Any? I don't think so. Um, I I want to say thank you to them. Really. I mean, they did a phenomenal job this this fall. Um, they're bearing with me right now with with the plug system, um, and we're, we're we're working through it. Um, if you got any questions, don't hesitate to call me. I mean, we're free. We're we're not some brokerage firm out there where we're you know charging you for our advice or anything like that. We're we're just trying to help out. All right. Okay. Well, that's another episode of the High Ground powered by Premier Companies. Thank you very much and like and subscribe. And uh, y'all have a good day. Thanks, Aaron.